The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust. And good morning. Annex Wealth Management Show is on the air for Sunday, December 13th. My name is Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer in the studio. Good morning, Derek. Good, good morning, Danny. And Dave Spano, President and CEO. Good morning to you. Good morning, Danny. Yeah, we had a fun week this week. Uh, the Dow Jones closed just above 30,000 in large part because of how Disney reacted with their story this week. And we'll cover that as well. But so much to talk about. I really want to just start, Derek, at 30,000 feet. Well, I think at 30,000 feet, we've got to look at the optimism we've seen since the, the election concluded. You know, the S&P up 11% last month, the Russell 2000 up 18%, one of the largest gains in a monthly basis we've ever seen. So sentiment and optimism is somewhat of a risk factor, but the underlying backdrop for equities remains pretty positive. It really does, and it's going to continue. But, you know, it's hard for people to see that right now because we've had a number of days this past week that were in the red. Uh, however, we, as you said, we talked about optimism. Perhaps there's excessive optimism out there. Well, there are any number of ways to look at that. Some people look at put-call ratios, which basically measure how much downside protection uh, professional investors are buying, and we haven't seen much of that. So that would be, uh, for a contrarian, kind of a warning sign. We've also seen a lot of big big IPOs come public recently and trade well above their initial offering prices. That usually is a sign of enthusiasm as well. And then, of course, you know we have the fiscal stalemate, right? We left on Friday, still no deal. Uh, uh, they seem to be fairly far apart. They may meet again on Tuesday, but clearly the economy and, and any number of folks, the 10 million that are unemployed, uh, need stimulus in order to get through the chasm created by the uh, by the virus and, and the beginning of further shutdowns in all, all, all over the country, really. And let me go back to, to, and hit on a couple of points. You mentioned some of the initial public offerings, IPOs, DoorDash and Airbnb uh, of note. Yeah, DoorDash on Wednesday came public. It gained 86% on its first day of trading. Uh, its platform partner, Airbnb, of course, they're on opposite sides. DoorDash initially was thought to benefit from people working at home, and Airbnb was was initially negatively, in fact, impacted because people couldn't travel. But now you're starting to hear about people renting homes for a month while they work away from home, trying new areas that they've never experienced. So that's that stock also surged over 100% on its first day of trading. And these are big market cap companies. You know, you talk a lot about IPOs and uh, the frenzy that's happening. You, as a former mutual fund manager back in the late 90s, did see this, and I want to see, see if you can compare what you saw in the late 90s to what we're seeing now. Well, what I saw in the late 90s was actually far crazier than this. In fact, in the late 90s, on a year-over-year basis, at the peak of the tech bubble, IPOs were up about 350%. Uh, this time, we're up about 100%, so it's the strongest IPO market we've seen in nearly 20 years. But it is nowhere close to the insane gains we saw in the late 90s. That's funny. And then the other thing that we talked about to start the show was Disney. And a lot of people, I think, missed this play. But uh, what a week it had. Yeah, it just shows you the beauty of a balanced portfolio. Disney, obviously, theme parks, cruise lines, and whatever, uh, hampered dramatically during the pandemic. But Disney Plus, their streaming subscription service, has beaten expectations by a wide mark. Uh, Their 2024 goal was to have 90 million subscribers. They've essentially 
actually already reached that. And what they did is they actually tripled their forecast for 2024 from 90 million originally to 200 to 260 million subscribers. And then when you add in Hulu and ESPN Plus properties they also own, we're up to 300 and 350 million subscribers, which is essentially where Netflix is today. So Disney clearly closing the gap with great content. And Danny, you know a lot about content creation. We do a lot of it, and you've been around for a long time. But content will always find a platform, and they're creating content, and that's really the reason why it's it's moving. As you know, our director of marketing, Greg, is a big film buff, and he was telling me about what Disney has planned, spinoffs of spinoffs, animated series. I mean, their pipeline is so huge, so good for them, but what a rapid rise. It really was, and it has a place in a portfolio. And speaking of that, you know, as, uh, as we do this on a daily basis, people come in with their portfolios from all different types of firms and independent companies, and we give them free portfolio analysis, and we go through it line by line to say, why is this in your portfolio? What is what's place does it have, and how much you're paying for it? And we give that back to people on a daily basis as just a service. Yep. And it's easy to start. You can head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Know the difference. We always say it. It's one team, one plan, one fee. When we're talking about one team, it's what we describe, and it's what you hear on the radio uh, on this show with our different team segments. That investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. One plan, it's complete. It's every part of our team. One fee, this is the most important thing. We are a fee-only fiduciary. You can start this morning at AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. We'll be back very quickly. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? At Annex, we do holistic planning. And maybe that sounds a little new age, but it's not. Let's try the word comprehensive. Clients receive investment and retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning services, and that's where our next guest comes in. Welcome back to the show, estate planning attorney, Annex Wealth Management, Joe Martin. Hey, Joe. Thanks, Danny. Good to be here. Got to tell you, I read recently it takes an average of 570 hours to settle an estate. I was shocked. That is a big number. That is a big number, and I don't know that that's completely accurate. That might be a little on the high end, but it really depends on the complexity of that estate and the asset mix that may be being passed on to the next generation. You said it, the more valuable the estate, the maybe the longer it takes to settle. And again, this was a company that kind of peddles this service, so maybe they're on the high end to kind of scare people. But settling estate, review me on this, it falls to the executor, right? It, it does when we're talking about probate and using a will, okay? So that's when a quote-unquote executor or a personal representative, if someone has a revocable trust as part of their estate plan, that duty would fall onto a trustee. In addition, sometimes there isn't one of those people. If everything went through beneficiary designations, it's on the beneficiaries to contact and file the claim forms and all those things. So it can really be divided among a variety of different people that have to quote unquote settle the estate. I learned that firsthand, right? And you kind of helped me through that. My dad's estate was set up in a beneficiary manner, but still there were a couple things that we needed some help on. Thank you, Annex Wealth Management and Joe Martin. 
What is the job of the executor? There's a couple core things that that executor needs to do. Number one is they have to safeguard all of those assets and that property for the benefit of the beneficiaries. Okay, so that means you have to figure out what are all the assets, what are they worth, what do we do with them? You come across situations where the executor isn't necessarily a beneficiary. It might be someone else or a corporate individual that's really there to do what's in the best interest of the family. And so sometimes that executor might have some conflicts of interest as a beneficiary and an executor. And you want to make sure you're finding a good person to do that. It's funny you bring that up. And we talked about this on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel. There's a playlist of 20 videos dedicated to estate planning. And, and it is worth a visit. We have one that I nicknamed, should your brother-in-law Bob be your executor? Spoiler alert, I think we determined he should not be. I agree with you on that one. I think we did in that segment determine that mm, maybe Bob's not the right choice. We're talking about the hours and the work. Maybe these people have full-time jobs. They're grieving as well if they're a loved one. 570 hours, as you said, is a lot, but 57 hours is a lot. What makes that number climb? It really depends on the complexity of the assets, right? If you've got a couple of bank accounts, you know, and maybe an annuity or, or something like that, it's going to be fast and easy. But if you have a house or a piece of real estate, it's going to need to be valued it's going to need to be cleaned out. Let's think about just how long would it take you to clean out your parents' house? That could be 57 hours in and of itself. If they've been hoarders or they've collected things over the years, there are services you can hire to help do a lot of these things, but you are still the responsible party as that executor that needs to coordinate and manage all of that. Are executors compensated? They certainly can be. So having a well-crafted estate plan, that should be the goal. Let's do estate planning 101. Before you get into the specifics of like assets, you really do need a conversation with the person, right? You do, right? It used to be that people would feel honored. Oh, you've named me as your executor or your trustee. That might not necessarily be the honor that you think it is. With it comes a lot of work, as we've talked about today. So you want to make sure that the person that you're naming, A, is capable that they are going to have the time and maybe the expertise to be able to handle finances and manage things like that. You want to be careful about who that is. And, and that's really, really important because you also want to make sure you're telling them that you've named them in that role. I've talked to many of our clients who they didn't even know they were named in an estate plan to be an executor. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I don't know anything about this person's finances. I don't even know where to start. That makes the process hard too. How granular should it be? I mean, there are fights you hear season ticket fights, even like cherished rings or something. That's a good idea to define that stuff, but that could be exhausting. At the very least, the pre-conversation would maybe prevent some nasty fights. It can. So I always tell people that communication of the estate plan is a critical element in the process. It's usually the last piece that's done, and it doesn't necessarily need to talk about the finances that are, are involved, but you want to talk to them about the overall plan and the strategy of the estate. That conversation allows you to head off some of those battles. But as we all know, when someone passes away and there's money involved, people can get a little crazy. I, I've seen awful situations. I've seen three grown men fight over mom's handwritten recipe cards. You can't predict that. You can't put that into the estate plan because you have no idea, right? So you can do as much planning as you can, but 
sometimes there are just going to be issues that crop up that you can't pre-plan for. But bottom line, get a plan prior to passing that's going to cut down on the time, the energy, and the cost of settling that estate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because what happens is, is if you don't have a plan, then nobody's really in charge. And so then it becomes who's going to take responsibility to do all of these things because somebody's going to need to step up. And if there's liabilities involved, it very well could be a creditor that's going to step in and deal with this. And that's probably the worst case scenario that you could have. Joe Martin, estate planning attorney, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks again. You're welcome. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Quick break. We'll be back on 92.5 Fox News. This is Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management Naples. I'd like to take a minute to tell you about the Immokalee Foundation. They prepare their students for careers that lead to financial independence through their focus on education and professional development. We all know 2020 has been a tough year, but for the young people in Immokalee, 2020 is just another one of many challenging years. If you did not know, the poverty rate in Immokalee is over 40%. Over half the kids between 5 and 17 live below the poverty level. Knowledge and education is power. Can you help change a child's life through the gift of education? You bet. Visit ImmokaleeFoundation.org slash donate. Team, tech, trust, and a fee-only fiduciary model that works in your best interest. Can your advisors say that? This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. And we're back, and you know it. If you're a regular listener, it's time for Ask Annex. Got a question for us? Head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab, and while you're there, hit that Get Started button. Get going on the free portfolio analysis, and if I may, put a plug in for the Axiom, which is a terrific newsletter that we publish every single week. You don't have to be a client for that. Here we go. Our first one is from Bobby. As a thought experiment, what do you think would happen if all equity money was managed passively? Oh, Bobby, good question. So uh, let's explain what that means, active versus passive. Let's start with that, Derek. Well, basically, a passive index is an index that invests in an index that is constructed and is is basically not changed. Some executive committee somewhere puts together the index. Uh, In most cases, 80% of the time with ETFs currently, uh, 80% of those are market cap weighted. So larger companies are bigger in those indexes than smaller companies. And so it's it's an interesting idea for sure. You know, but uh, is it does it work for everybody? It's it just doesn't. I mean, there are periods that active management clearly has outperformed passive management, and, and that we've seen it. Then, for example, right now, look at the pricing disparities that we saw in companies like Amazon and Boeing. Well, and also, if you think about it, if everyone was investing passively, the companies that are in that index would trade at a premium to the rest. So. Let's just use the S&P 500 example. The premiums on those stocks would be much higher relative to, say, smaller cap companies that don't qualify. And that would create great opportunities for an active manager in the small cap space because of those valuation disparities. And so you'd have to think about sector investing for certain in overweights and underweights. So it's an interesting idea for certain. This next one is from Phil. Your thoughts on Janet Yellen as Treasury Secretary? You know, we talked about her as her role at the Federal Reserve, and now she's been nominated as the Treasury Secretary and likely just to sail right through the, those nomination process. Yeah, it was certainly a good good nomination, a moderate in a sense, uh, very dovish as she was as Fed Chairman. She was right there in the midst of the financial crisis in 08 and 09, quantitative easing since then. 
And generally speaking, you know, she has a different viewpoint on the economy than a lot of other economists, meaning she's more of a Keynesian. By that, I mean, she focuses more on aggregate demand. And in her case, that would be focusing on wages, the labor growth, labor market, and other things, which ultimately could prove to be inflationary if that's her goal. So I think it's bears watching how, how she interplays with Jerome Powell. Obviously, they've worked together in the right. past. Mm-hmm. Uh, people see her as a moderate, uh, thoughtful person. And I think it was a good choice. And of course, you know, where we are in the job market, it's going to help. There's no doubt about that. Whoever just texted this next Ask Annex question, and you get the prize for brevity. One word. Right. Rotation? Rotation, mark? yeah. What, what, what is it? Well, we talk about it a lot, but what is rotation? Because we do use that term a lot on the show. Well, rotation really is how sector exposures are delineated by various processes and managers. And when we talk about sector rotation, we talk about a weighting, say, in a benchmark like the S&P 500, where tech, for example, is about 24%, healthcare about 15 And the question is, which sectors are likely to perform better going forward based on one's assessments? And so when when people rotate, they go from one sector to another, believing that that sector has more upside than the one they just sold. And we've been seeing a lot of that recently, where the tech names, which were really strong since the bottom in March, have really been languishing for the most part since uh August, and you see a rotation in things like airlines and hotels and the rest that are reopening type plays uh, that hopefully will will lead to a better economy as the market is foreshadowing. Excellent. Really well done today. Thank you. Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News with Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management Naples. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Danny. Forbes has an interesting list of some retirement tips for 2021, and they range from financial planning all the way to preparing for early retirement. There's a bunch. Brian, we picked out a few, and we'd like your take. And the first is, how important is it to be ready for an early unplanned retirement? Depending on your on your take of life, but it's probably a fact of life that uh, something's going to go unusual for many people. And actually, before 2020, the coronavirus, there was an employee benefit research institute survey where nearly half of retirees had to leave the workforce before they targeted or their target retirement age. So I think you can expect something like that to happen uh, for many people. As a person, I think choosing to plan for that is a good idea. Another one is uh, dealing with debt. How often do you need to caution clients about debt loads? There's some debt that's good and some debt that's not. Yeah, I think um, you know, one of the golden rules is living within your means. So depending on your nest egg and your situation and your incomes, you know, living within your means, if some of your major sources of income stop for the next three months, six months, 12 months, or more, what does that look like for you? So if you are, you know, on a fixed income and you have debt to pay, um, that's a little much more difficult than if you have many sources of income and you can adjust and things like that. So um, definitely live your best life, but live within your means. We're with Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management Naples. We're talking about a couple financial planning tips that Forbes magazine came up for 2021. Another is understanding retirement income options. I think once you turn 59 and a half, statutely, uh, legislations and things like that, you have things you're going to have to start making choices or can make choices, um, especially between 59 and a half and 72. So either you like to know all these things and, and go through and plan and and make choices in this way or you help you know find someone who helps you to help you do this obviously here at annex wealth management that's part of a big thing that we do as financial advisors is the planning for when when how to take social security how medicare affects things your ira 401ks when you can take distributions when you have to start taking distributions what that all looks like in one plan so again if you are someone who 
doesn't want to be surprised. If you have a long-term plan and you can do it yourself, great. But if you would like some help, that's what we do. And I think that's the best way to get good choices made throughout your financial life to live your best life. Uh, Brian's right. We've got teams in place. They're experts at investment and retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning. But it starts with a plan. We can help getting a comprehensive financial and retirement plan together as we head into 2021. Not too late. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Branch Director at Annex Wealth Management Naples is Brian Fiore. Thanks for jumping on with us today, Brian. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Danny. Good to talk to you again. We're going to be back to wrap things up with Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management, and Dave Spano, President and CEO. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Team. Tech. Trust. Straight talk from a fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Yeah, we're back. Quick reminder, the 2020 year-end tax planning guide is on our website at AnnexWealth.com. So make sure you grab that. Know the difference. It's one team, one plan, one fee. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky is here. And Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks, Danny. You know, we throw a lot of terms around on this show. So every now and then, I want to take those terms and make sure that everybody understands them. Uh, And so, Professor, I want you to explain the difference between value stocks and growth stocks. Growth stocks essentially are companies that uh, investors believe will grow at a rate uh, well above uh, the growth rate of the economy. Uh, value stocks are stocks that, you know, the, there are any, any number of value discipline. There's deep value, there's GARP, growth at a reasonable price. But generally, a value manager uses valuation as a primary selection tool in which to decide where to invest. And one of the things that we've seen in the last five years, while the U.S. economy was generally sputtering, you know, at 2%, 2.5% growth, was growth was very scarce. So companies in the growth space that were growing in a at a rate superior to the economy like Facebook and Amazon and and Google and Microsoft and the rest went to very high multiples because growth was scarce and people were willing to pay up for that. What we're starting to see now is a regime shift, if you will, towards a more reflationary regime. We know the Fed has been accommodative. We know the virus initially dampened economic activity. But in 2021, we believe earnings growth is going to accelerate very dramatically. And that is an environment that is very favorable to value investing because many of those companies are cyclical. And so we talked about uh, growth stocks doing well. Part of that was, of course, as you pointed out, the Federal Reserve has helped us out substantially. And in a low interest rate environment, that certainly raises the boats. It does. And and But what's kept the value investors at bay, you know, value stocks typically right now are loaded with financials and energy companies. And if you think about a bank, when the yield curve was flat, uh, that's not a good environment for them because they're borrowing short and lending long and making no spread. Plus, the economy is not growing at a rate that sustains their loan book, and they have default risk on their books. But as the economy starts to turn higher, you have less default risk. You have a steeple yield curve, which means they can make money actually loaning money, and that's a good environment for them. Similarly, a stronger economy tends to lead to more demand for energy and natural gas and the rest, and that's good for energy companies. And the reason why I did this big setup is because we see so many people here in our Naples office, and they come in, and they are either all value stocks 
or they're all growth stocks. There is a position for both, and that is the reason why a balanced portfolio makes sense. And so, you know, people come in and they have all these go-go growth stocks, and now they're not seeing anything as the value stocks it, regime change is starting to close that gap. Absolutely. And the other reason I don't think you want to go, you know, run away from your growth stocks is passive investing continues to be very popular, much more in terms of flows and active mutual funds. So when a passive investor buys an index like the S&P 500, a big chunk of what they're buying are growth stocks. That tends to support those companies, whether their fundamentals are good or bad, because of the, the sheer magnitude of their exposure in that index. Yeah, excellent. Thanks, uh, Derek. Uh, good show today, Danny. You know, what I want to do is to wrap this up, is to make sure that everyone who is listening understands that what we do on a daily basis is try to educate people either via this platform on the show or when people come in and talk to us on a daily basis. And we provide two deliverables. And we give those to everyone who comes to the door because it's an opportunity for you to get to know us and for you to walk away with something that is valuable. Are those things that people charge for sometimes? Yeah, all, all the time, all the time. In fact, we had uh, we had a meeting this past week, and the guy goes, aren't you going to send me a bill for this? And I had to explain to him the reason why we do this is to build a relationship. If this makes sense and it's something that makes sense to you going forward, there's a way to go forward, and we explain how that works, that we use independent custodians, namely uh, Schwab and Fidelity, to hold those assets, and then we come up with a fee uh, to, to go forward, and then we provide all of the services, estate planning, tax planning, investment planning, and a financial plan. We've been on this radio station for a year now, and hopefully you have heard that the way the team operates, the way that Dave thinks, the way that Derek thinks, I mean, and that is just the tip of the iceberg. But you got to head to AnnexWealth.com, click that Get Started button. I urge people to do that because it gets you going on that free portfolio analysis. But while you're there, read a little bit about our story. It's all laid out there. A couple of things that you need to know. We're Barron's top advisor, a four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300. We're on the list for the top 100 wealth managers from RIA Channel. But the most important thing, we are a fee-only fiduciary. We'll see you in a week. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.